Fly ball, left field, it's deep. And it is Hey guys and welcome to Broad Street to Britain, a UK Phillies podcast, episode number 14. And today I am joined by another special guest from the good fight. We have Alex Carr. Alex, how are you, buddy? How's it going, guys? Good to be back. Oh, good. Second time, Alex. You're in the double. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> good man. Good man. And as ever, I am joined by Ryan Owen from Rototrix. Ryan, how are you, mate? Good week? Oh, absolutely fantastic week, mate. And it's nice to have Alex here with us, friend of the podcast these days. Uh, we try, we try. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you uh, come down yet from Sunday yet, Ryan? The uh, incredible, incredible day of sport we had on Sunday. Yeah, that was fantastic in the UK. I, I mean, I don't know whether, I mean, Alex can speak to this. Was the Cricket World Cup being viewed at all? Or was everyone in the States <laughs> watching the Wimbledon and, and on Sunday? To their TVs. <laughs> You guys said Sunday, and I was racking my brain trying to figure out what happened on Sunday. <laughs> so that should probably speak to uh, how popular it is over here. <laughs> yeah, that says it all. <laughs> We're just weirdos that watch baseball over here, so we assume that there must be some weirdos over there that watch cricket, you know? Maybe. When's the, when's the Rounders World Cup? We had the British Grand Prix, which was fantastic. Won by England, uh, Britain's uh, UK's Lewis Hamilton. Then we had the Wimbledon final, which was just incredible. Then the cricket, they sort of went on and on and on until we eventually got a win in Wimbledon. Then we did, England won the World Cup for the first time ever. QP, Q Historia, and then uh, and then the Phillies walked it off on Sunday as well. Woo! Michael Franco, you can't you can't get a better sporting day than that. That was uh, that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so before we uh, before we move on, I'd like to thank everybody who listened to the last episode with Tom McCarthy. Uh, we got our record numbers for that, so uh, really really appreciate it and thank you. And, and please keep subscribing and liking to the podcast. Um, it was such a fun podcast to do, and uh, Tom was fantastic. And uh, I've had some great feedback as well from that. And uh, yeah, please keep uh, subscribing. This one was going to be just as good because uh, uh, let's well, we've got loads to talk about. Let's start with the news breaking today that Klentak and McPhail, McPH, not fail, fail, uh, as today from The Athletic saying they're going to sign a three-year extension to their, to their deal. Um, guys, what do you reckon to this? Alex? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, so I'm one of those people who's of the opinion that I, I really do like Matt, Matt Klentak. I do. Um, Andy McPhail, if I'm completely honest, and I, I was talking about this to my to my coworkers the other day at the good fight. I oh. um because you know Matt Klentak is the guy who who's really been behind a lot of the negotiation and a lot of the well he and John Middleton when you when you look at Bryce Harper, but he's he's really been the one that's that's pulling the strings on the trade operations and everything like that. And Andy McPhail is just kind of sitting there ready to dampen our spirits whenever something good happens or when something <laughs> yeah. bad happens, he, he, he makes it worse. So I don't really, uh, I don't love that idea, but I do. I, and I understand 
the reasoning behind it was was to kind of show faith in in their current staff and that's always a good thing but man uh i'm okay with the clintac one the mcfell one we'll see <laughs> yeah ryan I, I look i put it out to social media and it looks like the same sort of opinion clintac yeah okay but mcfell everyone's a bit miffed by this one uh, yeah, but it, it seems as though, I mean, as Alex has sort of alluded to there, they're coming as a bit of a package and they're working together in a lot of the sense, and it is a team. Um, but it would maybe be slightly odd if they decided to extend one and said, actually, uh, you know, jog along, you're not welcome anymore. Um, might send out some of the wrong tones. Um, so um, to me, it seems like a pretty sensible decision. And to be quite honest, for, for the way that I view baseball, I try and keep a bit of a distance from the politics of front offices. Front offices. Um, obviously, it's important for the Phillies, and uh, I understand that who is in those positions is important. But often for fans, it seems like those names are just one more option to play the blame game with. Yeah, someone said, what does Andy McFell actually do? And I, I was thinking about it, it's like, yeah, what what does he actually do? <laughs> yeah, because, I know. <laughs> because his record, everywhere he's been, has been pretty bad. It's, in fact, it's been really bad. What, what, what does he do? Do you know, Alex? What he's supposed <laughs> to do yeah, is, uh, yeah. you know, he, he's supposed to run the game. Like, he he is, you know, he's supposed to be the, the big guy kind of in charge of overseeing uh basically in a, in a blanket, basically everything. Mm. Um, but especially when it comes to, you know, team operations and things like that. But I, you know, the only thing I've really seen him do in his tenure here is, is come out and make some really terrible statements. Um, and yeah, I don't mean terrible was, as in like offensive, but like he addresses them, the media and well, ugh, he's just, I mean, even his most recent one, he, what 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 makes me so upset with him is that he has he doesn't think before he speaks he doesn't structure what he's going to say before he goes out there and he says it um and it always you know as i said before it damp it dampens our spirits every time mm. you know you never really like to tune into mcphail when he's no it's bad probably doing what he's supposed to be doing but what that is we're not quite sure <laughs> it's it, i put it out there on social media and it's it's not gone down well Guy Webster mm. says discouraging, uh, a lot of speechless memes. Uh, Philly's feet at Philly's Diva says, "My God, the timing!" Um, we, yeah, the timing is a bit bizarre as well. Um, a yeah, lot of, it is. A lot of WTFs. Um, Philly's fan three two three two says, "Now I know Middleton has surely lost his mind." Um, yeah. Wiffle Ball says, "My analytics say this is a bad idea." Uh, timing is always impeccable. You have to be joking around. Well, here comes 2,000 losses. Is this the onion? Uh, yeah, it's, is this a joke? Absolutely pathetic. Yeah, it's it's not gone down well. Do you think that the criticism on Clintac's a little little too harsh? Um, Definitely. And what, what's, what's important to remember is that these kind of things, uh, you know, managerial and, and higher up uh, contract talks, they are never really made public unless, you know, it's it's somebody of great note. Like if the if the athletics were to go and extend Billy Bean, that's going to make news. But usually this kind of stuff flies under the radar. So it's not like they were keeping anything from us. Mm -hmm. um, but I 
the criticism on Klintak is is ridiculous, to be quite honest. He had a brilliant offseason. The only mistake that he's made thus far is trusting his homegrown talent a little bit too much. And yeah, that's what a GM is supposed to do. So I don't know how you can really, you know, tell him that, you know, he didn't go out and get enough depth this offseason or he didn't go out and do he had depth, but that depth didn't work because it was a bunch of guys that have either played inconsistently in the majors or or haven't gotten enough playing time in the majors and we saw that with you know when Angel de los santos came up to make a start he got rocked against the marlins he got absolutely rocked gave up like 11 hits and in four innings or something like that mm. and you know that's because his only major league major league experience was was last year when he came up for like two or three starts and and you know didn't exactly do too hot but you know, you got to give these guys time to adjust is, is the thing. And, uh, when they're getting inconsistent playing time, like mm. starting here and there through, uh, triple a, and then coming back up to the majors and coming back down and all that, you know, it becomes really difficult for them to maintain a, a process and a, and a routine. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think Ryan, I think a lot of the criticism goes, it's hindsight because back then, like Alex just said, Pavetta was due to have a breakout season. Velasquez was okay. Let's see how he goes. Why we'd have a better year than he did have last year. Um, Eflin was, was looking promising in spring training. In hindsight, I remember back then, actually, and you said yourself, we had a sneaky good rotation. Mm-hmm. So the, the need for uh, added pieces at the time weren't necessarily, you know, the, the main objective was the offense. It wasn't necessarily pitching. We thought that was fine. Uh, of course, now hindsight is a wonderful thing. It's all gone wrong since then. But, yeah, do, do you think we should have got uh, Keichel? I mean, do you... If if we're going to say that it's all gone wrong, then that, to me, straight away is hyperbolic because the Phillies are currently three games over 500. No, no, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, in terms just, of the arms, I'm, I mean, of course, in terms I understand of that, but the, the arms are in place. The arms are pitching for the Phillies and have done since day one of the season. And those arms, while they have underperformed, have the Phillies three games over 500. They have the Phillies within touching distance of a playoff berth. And if the Phillies now want to go out and use someone like Eniel de Los Santos or someone you know, lower down in the minors that perhaps they, they're not so high on, but other teams want to take a chance on, to go and get an arm that can help them get into that playoff position and secure it, then they can do that right now. So while I'm I'm sort of keen to say, yes, the pitching has been a huge disappointment, I don't want to say that everything's gone wrong because everything has not gone wrong and there's still just about half a season to play and it's likely that the Phillies probably will go and get another arm and that rotation could improve immediately. And talking of um, Phillies going out and getting another arm, it's today been reported by the MLB Network that we are apparently in for minor from the Rangers. Um, Alex, what would you give up? Would you give up Howard for minor? Would you give up uh, Moniak? Uh, who, um, who, who do you think would be in that trade package? So I was actually just talking about this on Twitter earlier today. Um, I think there exists a reality in which they're not exactly... At, at first, when I read that news from Morosi, I, I was immediately turning to, you know, oh, we're going to have to give up Bohm, we're going to have to give up Howard. Somebody has mm. to, you know, of a very important note, has to go for minor. He's arguably the best arm on the market. But... 
there does exist a reality where they could be either a looking to package, you know, a salary dump with him to accelerate their uh, competitivity by, you know, however long getting 20 million off your payroll can shorten that mm. that distance. Um, they They could be looking to do that or his value is just simply not as high as we were previously led to believe. Um, one thing that it does tell me is that if the Brewers are in on Mike Miner and they have much less of a farm system than even we do, mm. um, and they're pretty much unlikely to deal either of Keston Hira or um, Bryce Terang, who are their top two guys, and they're Hira, first of all, is a, is a bona fide stud, uh, and Terang is really good. He, he did really well in single A. Um, they're they're unlikely to deal either of those guys. Past that, they have nothing. They have Corey Ray, I think, is their third guy, and he's mega struggling. Um, so, you know, it, we may not be looking at as much of a high stakes value as we'd like to believe. Now, that being the case, the package that I put together on Twitter uh, for what I perceive his value to be without a salary dump, without whatever, uh, was a package that was headlined. And Adam Hazley, uh, in addition to perhaps Nick Williams reuniting with the Rangers and another pitching prospect, and I know they really like Mauricio Guevara, um, the Rangers do. So, you know, that's a lot to give up for a guy who, albeit has another year of control, doesn't have much of a track record aside from his pedigree of being a first rounder. So um, I would love, don't get me wrong, I'd love to obtain Mike Miner, but it might be tough given our uh, given our farm predicament and our untouchability for Bohm and Howard. It, it's it's tough to say. Mm. I, saying that, it, I'd be stunned if we did get Miner and one of those two are involved because Matt Klentak has been, has been quite shrewd with the deals in the past, hasn't he? He's really got some good deals. So I, I would be very, very surprised if, if, if both those were in a package because it wouldn't be Matt Klentak style what we've seen so far, would it? No, it wouldn't. And that that is especially why I am a big fan of Matt Klentak. I, I love bargain hunting on the market. And, you know, when it comes to roster politics and things like that, there's a lot that goes into it. But I mean, the Jay Bruce trade was outstanding. That was oh, absolutely yeah. outstanding. The, um, the, the one move that I didn't like of his last year was the Astrubo Cabrera trade. But is, is everyone forgetting when we got Wilson Ramos for a player to be named later or when we got Aaron Loop, one of the best lefty specialists number-wise in the game for Jacob Wagaspak, or when we got, you know, he's the king of, of bargain hunting. He really is. Um, and I, I love that style. I really do, especially for a system like ours. So I think that it would be unlike him to see him, you know, dish out some big package, but we are in pretty deep, desire or pretty deep need for you know a rotation piece we we are looking weak on that front right now we we, we are we are right um we've got who are we got going tonight pavetta pavetta and nola tomorrow i believe yes it's pavetta tonight against kenta maeda and nola against ross stripling oh, I, t I tell you what boys if we can get one more win at this series i'll be delighted well i was okay so I was talking to this, uh, talking about this to 
an unnamed Fangraphs writer because uh, he doesn't want people to know he's a Philly fan. But <laughs> uh, I was talking to this, uh, talking about this to a to a Fangraphs writer, and we mentioned that even though momentum may not be a a tangible thing in in baseball, it definitely exists. In any reality, achieve the win tonight, especially against Maeda, who is arguably the Dodgers' worst pitcher uh, in their rotation. I think giving Nola the ball tomorrow against Stripling looks very promising, especially the way he's been pitching. I don't, I don't want to. I'm going to knock on wood right now, but I don't know. <laughs> I've, I'm definitely excited for tonight's game. Tonight's game is going to be fun to watch. It is. It is. If we got to backtrack to to Friday, let's cover the week the Phillies have had. It started with a four nil defeat to the Nationals. Pavetta. Uh, yeah, well, actually, Pavetta didn't do that bad, but the offense... No, he didn't. ...was was not there. 4-3, yeah, Neris with a blown save there. Uh, and then Neris turned around the Sunday. What a crazy inning and a crazy game. 4-3 Phillies with the walk-off, and Neris got the win. Ryan, how did you see that National Series? Uh, for you, that was... All three games were totally different, and uh, the last two were certainly quite crazy. Yeah, I mean, the last two were very close, weren't they? Um, it was hard. I mean, going into Sunday, we were fearing the worst and a sweep at that point after what we spoke about coming out of the All-Star break and Alex has just mentioned momentum there. That would have been really hard to take. So I was pretty proud of the team to fight back in the manner that they did. Um, and I, I would just say that in general, you know, there's been a bit of negativity this week. But we've come out of the All-Star break. We talked about the pitchers that they faced. This has to be one of the toughest stretches, if not the toughest stretch for any major league team coming out of the All-Star break. And the Phillies mm-hmm. have won two, lost three. So to me, the, the reaction doesn't match the reality in the sense that this team has, has fought. Yes, there have been mistakes. Yes, there have been problems and things that make us feel uneasy but they did still win two games and to me that says a lot about this team you know ryan that's actually such a good point because washington i think in their last 36 games are 26 and 10 they're arguably the hottest team in baseball right now and the dodgers are the best team in baseball we also went up against you know frontline starters pretty much what was it it was strasburg to corbin to Fetty? San- who pitched uh, that last one? Oh, yeah, yes. Anibal Sanchez. Sanchez, right, who was right. also just as hot. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Strasburg always owns us. That's something that always seems to happen no matter where you are. Pat Corbin has been red hot of late. And, you know, Anibal Sanchez is also, he, he was one of the best pitchers in the majors last year, arguably. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what we've, gotten so far out of this and you know also it's worth mentioning that second game in the national series was easily winnable oh easy, yeah easily absolutely winnable. so it's it's really worth looking at from from you know a, from a bird's eye view if you were looking at this you know from another team's perspective, you're like, well two out of five isn't that bad and you know if we can continue that success past especially after last night, which was fantastic. If we can continue that on, who's to say we don't, you know, one hot streak changes this whole thing. One hot streak changes the whole division. I mean, we're 
what, one and a half back from the Nationals right now? Eight and a half back from the Braves right now? Like, that can... We were once... X amount of games ahead of the Braves. I think like three and a half or something. Only three and, and a they, half at most, yeah. Yeah, but they put us, you know, nine and a half back within two weeks, three weeks. Yep. Like, it, there is no saying that we can't reverse that. We can't totally flip the script. And, you know, that point is exactly the right idea. Like, when, when, you're, when you're looking at these things in a vacuum, that's a pretty freaking good turnout. <laughs> oh, definitely. And the na- I think that sometimes the nature of a defeat or what happens on a given night dictates the fan reaction or the general sort of loud. I mean, some fans react loudly and in a way that they get the point across to everyone and everyone has to hear it. Some fans just walk home from the ballpark or turn the TV off and go to bed and, you know, behave rationally. But the loud reaction is dependent on what happens so if Hector Neris you know give we're in a tied game against the Washington Nationals or we're one run ahead or whatever it may have been there and Hector Neris is up against the meat of the Nationals lineup and a man gets on base with two outs and Juan Soto who is I'll say it one of the best hitters in the major leagues at the age of 21 or whatever he is he hits a home he's run. 20. And Isn't that he's 20. This is absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm already willing to say, Alex, that this kid is going to be, if he isn't already, one of the absolute best hitters in baseball. His on-base skills are absolutely sublime, and the power is legit. He has speed on the base pads as well, which is nuts. He's a freak. And, and then again, the nature of the defeat against the Dodgers, the first game, because it's such a big blowout, because people who perhaps haven't even watched the game see that it finished 16-2, the reaction is overblown. We have hate Neris Day, we have hate the GM and hate the owner Day because we lost 16-2. But following both of those defeats, the Phillies won games. So what's everyone worried about? Because mm. while, while on the uh, subject of bullpen, I think our bullpen is actually, with the arms coming back, has improved. I've been really oh, impressed yeah. with Alvarez of late. Uh, I've been, Adam Morgan's come back and, and now really starting to get settled in. Neris bounced back really well on the Sunday after that blown save. Uh, we'll, we'll get into last night's game in a minute. But um, JD Hamram, I'm not too sure about still. And, and uh, Nicasio. But uh, Morgan's a definite good return. And Ranger Suarez as well. He's starting to settle down. Oh, well, he's guys. been great. He's been great. He, he, yeah. he, really, he really has. And, and Alvarez, you've got to give him credit. At the start of the year, I was, yeah, hands up. I was one of those who was like, really got Alvarez's back thinking, I don't think he's, he doesn't look, look like he's got what, he's, what it needs. But then you said, Ryan, small sample sizes, he'll settle down. You were spot on, mate. Alvarez is, is coming good. Yep, yeah, he's. Over his last thirty, I tweeted this last night. Over his last thirty, he's uh got he's logged twenty seven point one innings, uh with a two point three ERA, twenty four strikeouts, and a one point two one uh walks and hits per innings pitched. So that's pretty good to me. I'll take that. Absolutely. Do we talk about Sunday the, the Franco walk off, which was fantastic? And Franco is on really good form. Of like fifteen home runs this season now for Michael Franco. Mm-hmm. He's. I tell you what. It, for someone who's looking like he's going to be a stopgap for Alex Boom, he's he's doing a good job, isn't he? You know, you can't ask much more of him. For, for, um, I hope his injury is not too bad. I think we're still waiting on what the outcome is. But uh, Michael he pinch Franco, hit last night, so he should oh, be he? okay. Right. Yeah, they right. benched him. They benched him for the day because he quote unquote didn't run, even though 
he did have an issue with his uh with his He's groin it looked right, like right but he i'm trying to find the the numbers right now because he is absolutely on fire uh and, let me see if i can find them and it's great and if for anything if he doesn't stay here he is rising that stock value and he's still got age on his side as well Oh yeah, he's he's only twenty six years old, I think. Twenty six yeah, or twenty five. Yeah. Over okay, here we go. Over his last fifteen, he's hitting I mean, it was even crazier before before this, but over his last fifteen, he's slashing three forty, three seventy seven, six thirty eight, with four home runs, eight RBIs, uh a pretty good strikeout to walk ratio, actually. And uh sixteen hits and forty seven at bats. That's like that from the bottom of the lineup, that's ex- that's exactly what you want. And he's been he's been winning us games. It's like and, it's crazy. And even over his last thirty games, point two nine yeah, average. That's what I was looking at. Fifteen RBIs, seven home runs. Even his last okay, over his last seven average point. I know it's a small sample size, but point four two average, three home runs, five RBIs. He's one of the hottest third basemen at the moment. And defensively, is is. For, for the, his build, for his size, he's just as solid. Yeah, he's he's really stepped up defensively, especially. But I mean, into I think he only has two or three errors this year. I mean, it's not in front of me right now, but he's. I mean, he has been one of those guys that, like, yes, he's very streaky, and yes, he's very, you know, he has his days where he's not running very hard, or he's, you know, whatever. But when he's on. The team is on. That's the whole. Yeah. Of who he is, you know, when when he, his stuff is working, when he's you know driving the ball, when he's lifting it, and not you know digging it into the ground and grounding into double plays, he is you know a heartbeat for this team. He's what brings back the pulse, and you know I, not to not to toot my own horn or anything, but I <laughs> when I was on last uh, last time, and I, I said that he should be starting every game because. You, you know, correct. he has yeah. that he has that kind of impact back bat. That's exactly why. Because when he is on and when he's hitting home runs and when he's, you know, driving guys in, that's gonna win you a game. That kind of late game power is gonna do it for you. And you know, that's that's just that every team needs that. Every team needs that guy that, you know, he has his moments. Like the, the Dodgers have Kike Hernandez. He prior to this year was a very he was a fringe starter he was really a, a a guy that was mainly used to play multiple positions and you know come off the bench late in the game but now he's he's coming through in all these clutch moments and he's hitting you know all these bombs albeit because of a juiced ball but you know that's that's you need guys like that in the bottom of your order to to you know really pick the team up when it's when it's struggling and Michael and and Jay Bruce too have have done really well uh, with that, so that's awesome to see. It it really is. Do we know Jay Bruce's status? No official ruling yet, but I am assuming uh, the injured list is nigh. Ah, what a shame! Based on what you're saying, yeah, it is a shame. Is it an oblique strain, or I think I read it um, is. Yeah, okay, it doesn't sound good. good. Yep, yeah. which sucks. Well, I, it was labeled an oblique injury. Yeah. So if it's anything worse than, you know, a grade one strain, then yeah. it'll, take, it'll take quite some time to heal, which sucks. Um, it does. It does. But, but offensively, we, we do. We, uh, the depth has come through offensively for the Phils, hasn't it? Like, 
we've got Rodriguez, uh, uh, sorry, Miller, who's been a fantastic stand-in. Uh, and, it was and great Adam, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and Adam Hazley's still hitting. He got, mm-hmm. he got a hit Monday night. Uh, hopefully, Nap can carry on his, 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 from his hit yesterday. You know, yeah. Small steps, Woo! but... Yeah. <laughs> but, but, then, but then Andrew Nap Concha had a big part, an underrated part, in that victory yesterday. Mm-hmm. It I was, agree. Um, let, let's, get, uh, let's get Monday's game out of the way before we go into the, the joyous day last, game that was last night. 16-2, uh, Eflin... Well, Eflin said himself he got better, but it, it wasn't difficult after the, the, the seven runs he'd already given up. Um, and, and that was Zach Eflin. Where are you with Eflin, uh, Alex? Is, if, do you think if there was better talent behind him ready to come up, that Eflin would be maybe sent down? No, I, I, I think he would still be starting. Uh, Zach Eflin is... Mm. ...has velocity... He has move and he has pinpoint control a majority of the time. And, uh, you know, that's really rare to find. And while he doesn't pitch to strikeouts, he pitches to a lot of really soft contact. And he can use all of his pitches very, very effectively. Um, He's just a guy that sometimes he hits a wall. And when he hits that wall, I think think Matt Gelb said it. It was after 50 pitches in that outing that he really, and after that, horrible horrible uh little league inning uh that yeah. seven run inning he he really he hit a wall after 50 pitches um and that happens to guys but when Eflin is on Eflin is on and we've seen June of last year he was on until maybe five starts ago he was on so I think Eflin is is gonna be that mainstay in the back of the rotation for quite some time to come specifically because he has a pedigree he has all the talent you could ever want he has a really vast arsenal and he has the potential to evolve into something more than just a back-end rotation piece so i think he'd stay but right now he is he's definitely going through it he's not having an easy time also he's only 25 as well yeah yeah you can't you can't give up on zach as as, as some have on twitter already uh so early on is he all right he's still only or still only, but it, it's a respectable four point what uh, four point one six, which in one hundred and six innings isn't it? eighty eight strikeouts as well this year. Yeah, and, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, and, and he was up against an absolute deadly Dodgers lineup who were just yeah. in that mood, and and we're not the first team they've done it to this year either. Well, if if you don't have your best stuff when you're going up against the Dodgers, like I can guarantee you, that's why. Pavetta in his last time out against the Dodgers, the stakes were so high in that game for him. Like the stakes were really high. He was on his best behavior, on his best stuff, and he shut them out. And well, not shut them out for nine innings because we ended up losing that one. But um, he, he shut yeah. them out for six innings. And I was there for that was, game. <laughs> he was outstanding. He was absolutely brilliant. And Nick Pavetta really he does thrive under pressure because sometimes he gets he gets lax and he uh, kind of lets things fall to the wayside and you know tends to give up some needless hits some needless runs some whatever but the reason that he was so good against the Dodgers is because the stakes were high and he had his best stuff he made sure he was going to be on his game mm. and sometimes I mean if, if you don't come up against the Dodgers with your best stuff you're going to get railed you're going to get absolutely smoked and that's you know Eflin started really well I think it was three one run innings and then 
he uh, he hit that wall and everything went down the drain. So, you know, it 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 happens. But I think tonight's going to be like I said, tonight's going to be really interesting to watch Nick Pavetta go up against the Dodgers for a second time. It, yeah, fingers crossed he's like that form he was in his uh, in his first game with the Dodgers. You were there, Ryan, wasn't you, for that that Pavetta out in in LA? Yeah, he, he pitched absolutely brilliantly that day. He, he's um. He's a frustrating guy, but I, I agree with Alex. I think that Zach Eflin is a guy that's going to stay in this rotation regardless right now. He probably sits atop that little pool of Eflin, Vince, and Nick. Um, and I would probably say that Nick Pavetta's got on a leg up on Vince right now. So if if the Phillies do make a trade for a, a pitcher, for a starter, uh, be it Mike Minor or anyone else, it's probably going to be Vince once again that misses out. Interestingly, if they go to Texas, and maybe I'm crazy, if Matt Klentek was feeling absolutely nuts, perhaps he could trade for Mike Minor and someone like Lance Lynn. Maybe he could go and get a, a double Boy, you know, like, That'd be I know, amazing. I know that's absolutely nuts right now, but if they could you know, give Nick some more time down in AAA or perhaps send both of those guys to the bullpen. And, and personally... I would be willing to take a bit of a risk and trade Mickey Moniak because I mentioned it on the last um, podcast. To me, he's the prospect that is still, to a degree, not living up to to what we'd hoped. And I'm not entirely sure that his bad ball profile lends itself to anything particularly special moving forward. So, you know, maybe I should get on the phone. I don't know. Or maybe I'm crazy. Okay, I I just really because these are two things that I've been thinking about a lot, especially of late. Um, first things first, it doesn't have to be Lance Lynn and Mike Miner, but if the Phillies acquire two starting pitching arms, the bullpen makeup completely changes. Mm-hmm. If you put Vince Velasquez and Nick Pavetta in the bullpen as long men or what have you, or even to follow an opener or to whatever, that completely changes everything. You have Correct. David Robertson coming back. You have, you know... Pat Neshek isn't exactly ruled out for the whole rest of the year, but who cares? Or, or, or Dominguez. Um, you know, to- right, Sir Anthony's not ruled out yet. Victor Arano's not ruled out yet. Tommy Hunter will be back. You know, then your bullpen starts to take a little more shape, especially after it was so mangled earlier in the season. And then, you know, you have a rotation that can arguably compete, as well as the fact that, you have a, a a bullpen that's you know kind of renewed and is full of guys that really want to either a prove that they can be starting arms or b just stay in the majors. So that's huge. Um, and the second thing for for Mickey Moniak, I don't necessarily agree just because his May and June were absolutely absurd. Um, and even even then he's hitting better than a bunch of top outfield prospects right now. I mean, Alex Kirilov of the Twins, who, albeit is struggling, he's he's had a better year than, than you know, that guy with a, with a massive, you know, pedigree, a massive, mm. massive weight on his shoulders. Um, he's, I can't remember, Matt Winkleman brought up some really, really, and I've talked about him on your guys' podcast before. Yeah, he's an absolute genius. He says, yeah. yeah, he, he was... He did like a poll or something. I would look it up if I had the means right now. Um, he did a poll. <laughs> bats or minor league outfielders and, and, you know, put their season stats on the lines. And Mickey Moniak is, is outperforming a major list of big, big 
top tier talent. And Moniak is, first of all, only 21. Second of all, is in double A at 21 years old. I think that's like three years under the average. Yeah. And he's also been absolutely brilliant. He has nine triples. Or wait, no, nine, nine or 11. I can't remember. He has so many triples this year. He's shown pretty decent pop. He has brilliant speed on the base paths. He has been absolutely unreal defensively. I mean, we're looking at a guy that is sprouting into exactly what you'd expect from, you know, a number one overall, especially in a draft like, right. like that. Because, you know, the only the only guy that I probably would have taken over Moniak in his position was probably Nick Senzel, who is also not exactly having a great time in the majors right now. So, you know, I I think Moniak is a guy that you kind of have to sit on for a little bit, especially because his value won't be what you want it to be. Uh, instead, I would probably rather sell Hazley, if I'm honest. But Ooh, that, big disagreement. I, 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 <laughs> I have to pop the brakes. I, I love this, though. This is what this podcast should be about. I mean, mm-hmm. firstly, Alex, Nick Senzel, eight home runs, nine stolen bases with an 800 OPS in the majors for his debut season. If that's struggling, then no, show me someone that isn't. Um, no, no, well, no, no, no. <laughs> struggling. He's just not. He's not. You know, he's not having number two overall. You know, we are not I seeing him come make that. You know, big old debut that you know you'd want to see from. I want to do two. a little defense. I, 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 I at least you know I, I do love the guy. <laughs> yeah, um, but this isn't a Reds podcast, so I'll move on from Nick Senzel. Um, but <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Um, Mickey Moniak's young. Mickey Moniak has potential, and yes, the triples are there. You're absolutely right. Ten triples this season which is great um it's just to me when i'm evaluating prospects certainly from and fantasy is very different to real life i understand that you know that very very different um but when i see strikeout to walk ratios in the minors that are alarming and his is pretty alarming it's better this season i'll admit in double a than it has been um previously you yeah. start to worry, or I start to worry, that perhaps that's a trait that isn't really rectifiable because it's kind of in their makeup that they they have contact issues or they have plate discipline issues. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Moniak is just young and he's going to grow into it. But it's and I'm not saying that we should trade Moniak for Lance Lynn and Mike um, Miner. That that's not really my point. My point is more that. If the Phillies are going to take a risk, and at some point trading a prospect, if you're going to do it, it, there is a risk involved, but you do have to at some point take that risk and and pick a prospect that you're sort of willing to to take the gamble on. It isn't going to perfectly pan out. To me, Moniak would be the guy over and above Hastley. You're going the other way. I love a bit of disagreement, Alex, so this is great. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean... I also adore disagreeing with people because I, I love, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of stating my case for them. But I think the biggest thing that you that has to be, you know, taken into account with with Moniac, and this is the last thing I'll I'll touch on with that improvement is such a big deal. You know, the fact that he's able he already has I think he's already drawn more walks in, you know, a half of a season in Reading this year. Than he did in the entirety of last year. He's also, you know, he's 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 striking out less, walking more. You know, that speed is is invaluable. And you also have the matter of fact that like a guy that can play center field in the majors right now, which like 
Moniak probably could. Uh, and you could say the same about uh, the Braves' Christian Pash. Um, you know, a guy that can play center field right now in the majors at 21 years old is a valuable piece. Defense in center field is really all you want to see. And if you can, it's, you know, center field is like catcher. As long as you can have a somewhat workable bat, as as well as that major major defensive upgrade, you know that it's it's premium. That's that's exactly what you want. Agreed. And let me help you, Alex. I mean, look at Christian Yelich. I'm helping your argument now. You're absolutely right. I mean, Christian Yelich wasn't a guy that had huge pop in his early minor years, and all right, his walk to strikeout ratio was always a little bit better than uh, Moniak's is at the start of his career. But Yelich is this guy that suddenly put it all together, and the power's there all of a sudden as he built into his body. So I absolutely agree that prospect growth isn't necessarily linear, and there are certain things, and some Facebook fans will probably like this for me to say. <laughs> Some things are not quantifiable with statistics, so I will admit that that is the case <laughs> for anyone who thinks that I'm just some sort of nerd that sits at home. That's also accurate, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. that's not the point. So you're absolutely right. He could. I'm not sitting here saying that Mickey Moniak is already a bust, will never be a great player, because, hell, I hope he's one of the best players ever if the Phillies keep him. <laughs> right. I'm okay. step in here because we've, we've gone way off script. I've got a lot of coffee. I've just come back. <laughs> right. Well, that that that, uh, that was, it was good to listen to. I was just sat here going, "This is really cool." Oh yeah, it's, it's our podcast. That was that was really good. Um, on to on to last night. Uh, wow, that night fitting, that game. What a crazy comeback! What a crazy oh. inning. And a line drive into center field. That's going to drop for a base hit. It gets past Pollock. Goes to the wall. One run scores. Here comes Kingry. The Phils are going to win the ball game. Alex, was that the spark that is going to lift the Phillies up this year to go on that momentum, to go on that run? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the <laughs> I have to tell you guys this story before I, like, explode so as you guys know i'm traveling right now and i last night was staying in a hotel room that was i like i'm in new hampshire and it's this little you know inn. it's very quiet the room is very small and i have the phillies game playing and bryce harper smacks a walk-off <laughs> double and i am limited to a prance and jig around the room <laughs> but i couldn't say anything and it was the the feeling was euphoric, and I can't imagine how it felt for the guys on on the field. But you know, I I tweeted this last night as well. You know, if there's gonna be a time for the team to break out and go on a run, it's now. You know, we haven't had that ten game, fifteen game winning streak that, or you know, winning ten of our last twelve or whatever. We haven't had that yet this year. And if that was gonna happen, that you know, that, that walk-off win against the best team in baseball is going to be the catalyst, if anything mm. is. I mean, so, personally, like I said uh, before we started recording, if they can keep the momentum moving, and if they can, you know, if they notch a win with Pavetta tonight, uh, which I'm not at all saying is going to happen, but <laughs> if, they, if they could, handing the ball to Aaron Nola 
the way he's pitching right now for the win of a series against the best team in baseball, what you know, that would be, that would be, you know, absolutely insane. And going on from there, are you kidding? We're playing the Pirates. We're playing the Tigers. I mean, the Tigers, like, yeah. The schedule, the schedule is significantly easier. Like, if it really you can, is. if you can take that momentum into your next few series, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine what you know what might happen and you know that's all speculation that's all whatever yeah, yeah. but it would be it would be huge the, I'm not that starting last night was, was tonight that's all I want to say if you've got him put him on the bench <laughs> the risk board does not balance out there but you know what it would be really cool if you did and then you got you you reaped some some sort of benefit from it. I always but... take fight for them. They always let me down. But <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I can't not because I think if I don't and he has that one good game and I've missed out on all those points, I it, it plays mm. my mind. I think about it t- way too much at times. Um, the Pirates and Cardinals won at the moment. Just saw they they're playing. Um, you're right, Alex. I had a little look at our schedule we got yeah the pirates the tigers the braves and the giants twice next month uh we've got some really winnable series next month actually some series we should really the giants are really hot right now so I'm the giants are terrified. hot yeah they're probably one of the hottest team but, in baseball at the moment but, but they, they got cool off it they're, they're, they're due a, a down period at some stage they are but i mean it yeah it goes it goes pittsburgh to detroit to atlanta to, yeah. to san francisco to Chicago to Arizona, Winnable. well, Chicago White Sox. I should clarify, um, which, thank God, um, <laughs> to to the Diamondbacks to the Giants again, and then it starts getting a little trickier with the Cubs, the Padres, and the Red Sox. But I mean, you're looking at you know, especially if they take that momentum, and once again, we're speaking in theory now, but if they take momentum from this series, carry that to Pittsburgh to Detroit. And then are going up against Atlanta, that could be massive. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, momentum may not be a tangible thing, but it is very real in baseball. And, and, and the thing is, nobody, know, nobody apart from the Giants in the NL have momentum right now. Everybody's, if I look at everyone's last 10, okay, Atlanta and, and Washington, but they've sort of eased off of late. But everybody else, look at the last 10 games, everybody's completely 5-5, 4-6, 6-4. Six four five 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 two eight. That's Colorado. Wow. Yeah, eight two San Francisco, and then Atlanta and Washington are both eight twos now. But yeah, there's not many. T- if we can get momentum going while everyone else is still inconsistent and figuring it out, it will massively help us in that division and in that wild card race. Right, and th- and the thing is, nobody can really decide whether or not you know the entire National League is just underperforming, or if it's just severely balanced, I mean, you look at the National League now, and I mean, it's it's easy to say in the Phillies case, obviously we're underperforming. I mean, we have a negative run differential. We thought this is one of the best offenses in baseball. You know, obvious underperformance there. But you look at it, and there's literally only one team that can be pretty much officially ruled out of any sort of like competitivity, yeah. and that's the Marlins. Mm-hmm. But that's that's it. The Giants have surged and are past the Padres now. I mean, 
the 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 next team up from Miami is Cincinnati, and that's like a huge gap. Cincinnati yeah. is is not a hopeless games. ball club. Whereas, like, you look at the American League, and you know, there's Baltimore, there's Toronto, there's Detroit, there's Kansas City, um, the the White Sox, there's Seattle, uh, Seattle, yeah. To eight tanking teams in the American League that are like free wins, basically, and that is not the case in the National League, and you have to wonder if you know the entire National League is just fading into mediocrity, or if it's just supremely balanced and everyone's playing one another and, you know, we're all in this spot where everyone's underperforming or struggling or whatever, but strictly by a win and loss count. It's, I think, I, I it's mean, really crazy. I've never everyone seen in the, Everyone in the National League have got their own problems in, in different areas, haven't they? Like national, bullpen. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, Absolutely. they've settled down. Braves, rotation, Mets on and off the field, everything. Uh, except Alonzo and O'Neill. And, and then you've got what the Milwaukee rotation again, like us. Milwaukee are in the same boat as us, actually, if you look at it. That's their rotation. If well, they improve that, they could be they could make a run for the central. Well, so are the Braves. I mean, I'm I'm writing a piece on this right now, so I'm I'm I'll keep this one brief, oh, but, oh, Bob, but you know Braves, the Braves, Braves are more UK would be keeping an eye on that. Oh, God, here it comes. But <laughs> the, uh, the, the Braves are more than one. I'm not going to bash anybody, but, but the Braves are more than one piece away. They don't have a bullpen. They don't really have outside of Soroka. They don't have many competent starting options that, you know, I mean, Julio Teheron, who, thank God for them, is, is coming through. And, you know, Keuchel's doing all right, but he's walking an insane amount of batters and mm. his, his, you know... There are definitely reasons to believe that his, his success, if you can even call it that, is 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 sustainable, but or is not sustainable. But um, you know, they they have issues as well. Their offense is totally figured out, but their pitching is is a problem. And so as last night you showed know, against the Brewers. Yeah, right. And regardless of what the outcome is this year, they're they're gonna be buyers. And watching them inevitably dish out a whole mess of their you know, prospect depth from their farm to plug those many holes is going to be extremely satisfying, regardless of, <laughs> yeah. you know, re- regardless of, of, you know, who wins the division or who does what, like, they're going to cripple themselves in one way or another, especially if they decide to go after Bumgarner or they go after Stroman, you know, Stroman's going to take probably two of their top prospects. Um, mm. And the only ones that I am worried about in any capacity from them are Drew Waters and uh, I, I really shouldn't. UK Braves is going to be all over me. Are, are <laughs> Drew Waters and Ian Anderson? Those are the only guys that really, you know, worry me. And if they get dished, then I'm not exactly, you know, I'm 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 happy about it. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't like you know, Pass? It's, uh, it's not that I don't like him. I just see him more as. His value lies in his speed and his tool is, is showing up this year in a big way. Uh, I don't think, you know, I, I, I need more I need more evidence of that. Let me just say that. You know, he he and Drew Waters have both been outrageously good when they were uh, surging through high A and double A. But, you know, 
I need more. I need more. I need more evidence. You know, if, if he turns out to be the real deal and he uh, is more than just, you know, a center fielder with a lot of speed, which in and of itself is valuable. But if he turns out to be more than that and he, he, he shows me more evidence of his being, you know, a, re, a true prominent blue chip, then sure. I, so I will he believe could be a bit, I, of a, mommy, a bit of a moneyack. Right, exactly. That's exactly, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Um, so inter- we won't talk about him again. Interesting, I was going to say this on the little um, NLEs show that we did a few weeks ago, is that while the Braves do have a lot of depth, a lot of that depth that we're talking about in terms of prospect is pitching depth. And the really interesting mm-hmm. thing about pitching depth is that a lot of pitching prospects simply do not pan out. And there's a whole host of reasons why they, no, don't. they do not. We have arm injuries. We have people that have control problems. We have, I mean, even this season with the Braves, we're seeing people like Toussaint and, um, well, Newcomb to an extent hasn't quite panned out in the way they would have hoped. Um, Bryce Wilson, I I do like a lot, but he isn't ready to Mm -hmm. contribute right now. He got blown up again yesterday. Top level. I do do think that he's an elite pitching prospect, but the point being that a lot of these guys – look good on paper, but it's not the same as having a system full of elite hitting prospects. Right. And, and the, the big thing here is that some of their guys have already started to blow up. I mean, and I'm really showing my obsession with, with the Braves <laughs> here. Cause I will, I will admit <laughs> I, I do it. follow their system quite actively. Um, but you know, Colby Iard, who used to be their number one overall, he is now well within the depths of their system. Um, Luis Gohara, who, you know, was supposed to be this huge, you know, phenom is, first of all, he hasn't played a game yet this year and he, he stinks. He stinks now. Um, uh, uh, Kyle Wright has like an eight ERA in AAA. Um, you know, all of these guys that they have that, you know, were once these super highly touted prospects and whatever, you know, they're now fading into mediocrity while we look at, you know, uh, Ronald Acuna, who is duh, a superstar um, and always has been, always will be, you know, it was inevitable. Um, as was, you know, Austin Riley's rampant uh, growth in, in the majors. He was swinging at everything. He was hitting everything really hard. Now he's hitting sub 200 over his last, like, <laughs> I remember, um, and, and is hardly hitting the ball out. Mike Soroka is, you know, is, is struggling in his, in his starts now, you know, these are things that the, the adjustment periods will always show you who the true talented prospects are and who was really never anything to be hyped about in the first place. And that is what is so volatile. Pitching in general is volatile, you know, like Edwin Diaz was the best closer in baseball last year. He sucks now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, pitching in general is volatile. But Absolutely. it's Absolutely. those guys. Well, yeah, and and Aaron, it's 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 those guys like Aaron Nola, who start terribly to a season and then come back and have their, you know, they they have their periods of adjustment and then absolutely dominate, versus those guys who start really hot and then just completely fade away. Which is why it's so hard to evaluate guys, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, once again, we've gone off script, and I've shown my <laughs> true obsession with the Braves, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, by wanting to see them fail because whatever. But, um, you know, that is what is so 
tough about, you know, dealing with prospects and trading prospects and all that good stuff. But overall, my general consensus and my general <laughs> point is that I want to see the Braves, you know, trade away all their top talent and then eventually implode. So Amen. that's it. <laughs> yeah, we can all agree on that one. Um, right, a couple of other things, uh, a bit time conscious. Let's uh, quickly touch on Neris. Uh, another blown save, two this week. Uh, however, as we were saying before we went on there, um, everyone's forgetting that we had the weather delay. That did not help Neris, nor did it help one of the best closers in baseball, um, Janssen, who also had a dramatic blow. Neris, he's, he's sort of a... As you said, Alex, this time last year, he was, he was in AAA, you know, and now he's here. He's done a good job overall. He, he is a standing closer because we think Robertson will be the, the closer when he returns. But overall, Neris, do you think there's a slight, slight overreaction on, on Twitter and social media? About, yeah, about, definitely. About his, his two blown saves and overall, because I think Neris has done a solid job considering, because there's nobody else in that bullpen who, who could really be a closer. No, and and what's amazing about Hector is that, you know, he does get rattled, and that that does happen, and sometimes he gets into a bad headspace, and that's what kind of causes him to spiral a bit at times. Throw but pitches. what's amazing? What, yeah, well, that was just an overthrow yesterday. That really was not intentional, in my opinion. Uh, but I digress. Uh, mm. What's amazing about Hector is that. is very rare nowadays. The splitter does not, you don't see it a lot because when it's up in the zone, guys are going to crush it. Um, but he's taken that splitter and he's evolved it into this incredible strikeout pitch. I was, I was mentioning this before we went uh, on the recording. You know, Hector Neris last year was top four in baseball in strikeout per nine ratio. You know, he, he strikes out a lot of guys. He misses a lot of bats and it's all because of that splitter. Mm. And, Regardless of whether or not he's going to be a closer for the future or he's going to be a back-end guy for the future, what we have to recognize is that having that kind of a pitch anywhere, pardon me, anywhere in your bullpen is huge. That's yeah. a guy that you can go to with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, um, you know, with, with bases loaded against whoever you want to put up there. And if he is on, if he's on, if he's on, if his location's on, if everything is going to plan with him, and he looks good in the warm-up, that splitter is, he's, he's probably going to strike that guy out if that's what you tell him to do. So, you know, that, that is a weapon. That is officially a weapon, a guy that can generate that many swing and misses, a guy that can do all of that. And he also has a ton of velocity. So it's really, really awesome to, to see him succeeding, especially right now. And as we speak, we have a ruling on Jay Bruce. He has been placed oh. on the 10-day DL... Or IL, I should say, uh, with a right oblique strain. Uh, we don't have the grade, but Nick Williams has oh, been recalled from AAA. Super hot. We're gonna get Austin Listy for a super second. Super hot, Nick Williams. I did too, honestly. But he, yes, in fact, he was, and uh, that is something that I've been troping for the months that he has been, you know, up and down and up and down. He's not. Oh man, I'm gonna get off into a whole separate tangent here if I don't keep going. Don't do it. Don't do it because I want to talk on Neris. Let me stick on Neris for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> we'll lose Neris if we go off to Nick Williams. Um, okay, <laughs> the thing with Neris is the Phillies made a conscious decision in the offseason 
Yes, they signed David Robertson. They signed him to a, a, a pretty hefty deal. Let's be honest, two years, uh, 21 million, um, 10 million paid this season. And that in itself shows you what a risk paying a reliever that sort of money is because he immediately had a problem and went on the IL. So the Phillies made a decision not to go too silly paying relievers. And they certainly didn't want to go and get someone who has the tag name of Closer because the last time they did that, they paid Jonathan Papelbon a stupid amount of money, and that worked out to be absolutely disastrous. So there is a there is a decision in the organization to say, no, we're not going to do that. Now, Neris is earning just under $2 million this season, which is ridiculous for the contribution that he's given. So any fan that's getting on Hector Neris's back should think about the fact that we're, we're paying him so little this season, um, and he's contributing greatly. Just to give some sort of... Uh, focus on this if fans think that this is ridiculous wade davis who currently pitches for the rockies he's their closer closer okay (laughs) he's your bona fide closer that you on a record-breaking contract he's earning 18 million this season Uh he is guaranteed 17 17 million next season and he is guaranteed 15 million in 2021 he's whipped his whip stands at 1.694. His, ER, his ERA is 6.04. Now, he, when he signed the contract before 2018, was a bona fide closer. Do you, want, do, you wish he, do you wish he was in a Phillies uniform? Well, no. <laughs> at the, I mean, he really did. I'm, I'm, I will say this. He turned in one of the best seasons I have ever seen from an, from an, from a reliever. I think that was like 2015 where he had like a 0.94 ERA. Like he could have won the Cy Young. Like yeah. he was absolutely insane. So I don't, and that was prior to, you know, the big uh, sabermetric movement and everyone was being really cautious with who they were taking on, whatever. But like, this the guy. You know what I mean. He oh, he yeah, has yeah, some yeah. great seat. I'm not sort of but singing you're, him you're out. Totally right. What you're saying is yeah. totally on. on we don't want to pay for past performance, right, Alex? What the what the Phillies are trying to do is pay for future performance, not past mm-hmm. performance. And when we talk about this mantra of well, the Phillies should have signed a closer in the off season, are they stupid? Well, yeah, you might think that they're stupid, but. Kelvin Herrera was just had his contract torn up. He was owed seventeen million over two years. Addison Reed, um, oh sorry, I apologize. Herrera's contract is still active with the White Sox. Addison Reed had his contract torn up. He was owed eight point five million this year. Has anyone heard of Hayrus Familia, who pitches for the Mets? Because mm-hmm. he's guaranteed something like thirty million over the next three seasons. His, <laughs> his ERA is over seven. So (laughs) let's just concentrate and calm down. We're all disappointed when we lose games, but my defense for Hector Neris is he's doing a pretty fine job considering what he's earning. You better believe it. Sorry, uh, quickly. Is is there any news on Robertson before he comes back? Uh, Not recently. I was just talking to the the Good Fight Slack about this. We have not gotten exactly an update on him yet. Uh, The most recent one we have is from maybe like a week ago. Um, but he's he's on a throwing program, so he should be due for a rehab start sooner rather than later, and then uh, hopefully we'll we'll be back soon. But the just to touch on that point that what what Ryan said right right there was spot on. Obviously, mm. I mean that was brilliant. 
relievers, signing closers, signing, you know, anything, which is typically why you like to develop those guys. If you develop those guys in your system, then you don't have to worry about it, which is why the Phillies just drafted, you know, Andrew Schultz and Brent Schultz, who are big arms out of the, you know, college relievers, big arms out of the pen. I mean, Schultz throws 101 to 102 almost effortlessly. Yeah, he's in Lakewood right now. He is killing it. And he, you know, now that he has a professional coaching staff behind him, he he will easily be a massive back-end piece. You know, you, you've got um, somebody like, um, um, what's his name? Uh, why am I blanking? Cardinals, Jordan. Mm. Oh, I know who. Uh, quick, go back. He pitched, he's injured, isn't he? I know who you mean, but he's injured. Yes, he is. What's, what is his name? Oh, because it's H, doesn't it? Jordan. Uh, Hicks. Maybe? Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Thank Hicks. you, thank you, thank you. Jordan Hicks. Okay. I don't know why I blanked on that because I love Jordan Hicks. But anyway, um, so, you know, you got a guy like that who they've developed, they've brought up through their system, and who could probably, you know, pass as a really, you know, bang-up closer. He'd be really good. And, you know, he's injured now, and that's because he throws 105 miles per hour. But what I'm what I'm saying is, is that if you develop those guys, you don't need to worry about signing Craig Kimbrell and Craig Kimbrell busting or signing yeah. Wade Davis and Wade Davis busting or any of that. It's so that so comes true. down to development. Yeah. That, that, that comes true. down to I mean, development. People won't want to admit this, Alex, but even Kenley Jansen's contract is a serious risk because, yes, he's having a yeah. pretty good season. He's he's absolutely elite, I and mean, his stats are far better than Hector Neris's throughout his career. Mm-hmm. The whip's down below 0.9, but pitchers are inherently risky, and he has player options for 2020 and 2021 that are at £20 million. You know, that... That is a risk. I mean, the Dodgers can swallow a lot of money, and if things go wrong, they're a slightly <laughs> different beast. So, but you know, for a club, I mean, the Phillies have a lot of money as well. But other clubs like Pittsburgh and San Diego, Cincinnati, these organizations can't afford to give out the ridiculous behemoth contracts like that. And there's a reason that they don't, and they wait. And we see a lot of the guys at the top of the saves list in the NL are exactly what you're talking about. Guys that have come from within the organization or are not necessarily big names. You know, Kirby Yates is only earning about $3 million. Mm-hmm. He has the most saves. Will Smith earns next to nothing. Edwin yeah. Edwin Diaz this season is earning next to nothing because he, he came through Seattle's system there. Um, so Thank a lot God of these guys, that. I mean, Josh Hader, what's he earning this year? Like 600 grand? Yep. I mean, so, yeah. that's, and, and one more thing before we, before we uh, move on, it, it, that is, that Klentak changed his philosophy in the draft. That is why we saw relievers going in the sixth, seventh, and further rounds this year is because Guy, systems like the Padres turn out guys that gas 100 easily. They just called up a 20-year-old, can't remember his name right now, a 20-year-old kid who gasses 100 pretty much every pitch. I mean, and effortlessly. So there are a lot of teams that can crank out that kind of talent that just happen to find it in the international signing period or, you know, it it peaks while they're, you know, over overseas or or playing in the GCLs or something like that. But what that is why we are seeing 
you know, relief arms become so popular is because if you can get a cheap closer, that is a, that's something that you want to hang on to forever. I mean, if you can get a guy that, and they don't even have to throw 100 miles per hour, but if you can get a guy that can close down your games and you can point to and say, that's our closer, which is what Sir Anthony Dominguez was going to be, I wish. Mm. Um, but if you can, if you can get a guy, point to him, say, that's our closer and sign him to a much cheaper deal than you would have if you went out and got Kimbrel or the like, that would be ideal. But that doesn't always happen. So the so. Padres kid is Andres Munoz. Oh yes, my. Munoz. Okay, wow, this guy's yeah. striking out people at a stupid clip. And he came in, he debuted last week and threw the four hardest pitchers of the pitches of the season. Oh my days. <laughs> he he's literally 20 came years in old. And threw the four hardest. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Right. He's ridiculous. Uh, I had a I had a piece in Harper, but <laughs> you're gonna have to start crossing some of these pieces. Sorry. Out, All right, <laughs> let, let, let me just go through Harper's stats over the last uh, over the last 15 days a month because these these are joyful. So Harper with running yeah. and scoring positions, five home runs this year, 45 RBIs, a ninth best in the MLB, an average of 0. .410, which is the third best in the MLB. Yeah. <laughs> Last 15 games, four That's home runs, 13 RBIs, 0. .31, uh, 0.316 average. Over his last 30 games, six home runs, 23 RBIs, 0.71 average, 4.409 on base percentage, 0.495 second percentage. He is 10th in the RBIs this season with 67. He is 7th with doubles with 26. Overrated, guys? I don't think so. Uh, uh, and to make matters better... He is equal on his... I was talking to the same fan graphs writer about this. He will go unnamed. Um, <laughs> he, is, he, over his last 29 games, has struck out as much as he's walked. His numbers are equal. Oh, and yeah, that was, prior that was just to that, that I had. Yeah, I had that one. Yeah, and he... Yeah. You know what? The only issue with him right now is hitting when the bases are empty. And we've theorized that that might be because of the... Mm. He's did 65% of the time, so that's important to know. But if he can either A, bunt the shift, or B, start selecting his pitches a little better with the bases empty and just start taking walks more while the bases are empty, we're looking at a guy that's going to be hitting over 300. Over 300 with a middling fours base uh, on base percentage and a 600 slugging percentage. I mean, what he's doing is exactly what we had expected him to do. Yep. It's just the fact that the numbers don't exactly reflect that when you look at his batting average or whatever outdated metric you use. Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, you're right. Average is absolutely... There is a lot of luck involved in batting average. For anyone who doesn't know, we're not going into detail now, but I'm sure Alex and Dave already know there's a lot of luck involved in... When you smoke a ball, if it goes in someone's glove, it isn't exactly your decision, basically. Okay? Right. So, um... The one other thing, it'd be just nice. He does still have some contact issues, Harper. But considering the baseball is juiced and he has 17 dingers, this isn't a complaint. But I think maybe people were just thinking, oh, when is this sort of serious hot streak going to come? Because I think he has that in him. I think there's a there's going to be a week well, or two at some point oh, yeah. where this where Definitely. this really heats up. And I want one final very quick point. There's only one guy that excites me more than Bryce Harper. And his name's Reese Hoskins. And if there's one yeah. area, of this, line, there one area of this lineup that doesn't concern me even slightly for this season or for the next three seasons, 
it's that Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins are going to be one of the best three, four punches in the na- National League for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. It's very telling. Yesterday, um, after the game, Bryce said uh, he, the first thing he brought up, he was talking, he was talking to Jim Rosenthal, and he said that um, he was talking about finally he's moved house, his house settled, his family has settled. I've, and I think his early season sort of get-go was, was, has to have been doing with settling in Philly. It's a big deal moving house. It's a big deal moving your family and your family settling. And then I, I think he mentioned that on purpose to, to try and tell people that I'm settled. We're in now. We're finally moved house. We're finally settling yeah. in Philadelphia. And I, that, to me, I took that as, you know what? It's probably been a tough time for him. He's, he's still a young guy. He's a young family. He's probably never, he's never moved out of Washington before. And, it, well, I don't know where he started in his minors, but, it, you know, for him to move him and himself and his family and do family stuff like moving house, which is, I know from experience, is stressful enough. Um, it, it, it must play on your mind when you're in April and May, when you're, when you're also trying to play professional baseball, as it does in your normal life. With us moving house, it affects your work. It affects your personal life. It's so well, I think, yeah, go on. Oh, Alex. Also, just low starts. And the only thing that differentiated 2015 from... Oh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, go on, buddy. Oh, there you go. Uh, so, he, he Bryce is known for his slow starts as well, so that doesn't really help his case. But the best... The, the, the thing that differentiated 2015 from every other year for him, which is the year that he won MVP, is that he didn't have a slow start. He came out of... You know, he came from the start line and just exploded. And he kept that going. And that's because as he settles in throughout the season, his stuff just get he gets more and more electric as a player. And that's just who he is. So he takes a little bit to settle in. But when he if he can lock in at the, at the, in the first part of the season, you've got an M- MVP competitor on your hands. Do you, we're so lucky, guys. I don't. I know there's so much oh. hatred on Twitter and Facebook. Do you know how lucky we are as Phillies fans, he's, as baseball he's 26 fans? 26 years we see old. Harper and hitting after Harper is this guy who's earning an absolute smidgen compared to what Harper's earning right mm-hmm. now, and he has 72 walks to go alongside 97 strikeouts. Reese Hoskins is somehow this. To me, he is one of the finest players that I've ever seen come up through the Phillies system. I am in mm-hmm. love with this guy. So for all of the, the negativity, people should focus on this because these two are exciting to oh, watch. Ab- absolutely. Very, very quickly, guys. Two quick questions for you all. Very quick, guys. Uh, was last night's Harper's biggest game for the Phillies and biggest moment so far? And would you move Scott Kingery down the order so he's got some runners uh, on base for when he's hitting his home runs? Alex? Um, on Harper, maybe. It was definitely his biggest hit, but his mm. I still love that game against the Rockies. That game where he was 5-for-6 and he was absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. That was my favorite Harper moment. As for Kingery, I would definitely... I liked him at 2 yesterday i did because he's so hard to double up but if you have to move him down i think i like him at the uh the six or seven range just because having that kind of contact so down low in your order is just it's that much more to worry about as guys are you know as as pitchers are trying to tear through this line which is very sort of put sazer at the top and put him down yeah yeah, i'm very okay with that i'd be very okay with that yeah quick run 
Yeah, I probably agree. I'm I'm pretty I'm a Kingery skeptic anyway because I know, of the, uh, I know, I know. Um, because of the walk rate. But um, no, I, I love the power. I love the speed, and I'm I'm coming round to the idea that he's just this really dangerous hitter that the opposition is, is. scared of. Um, he is right. So, he won't, he won't yeah. let you down. <laughs> I'm getting there, but similarly, you know, if you wanted to, if you basically wanted to swap Scott and Cesar, I'd be pretty on board with that as well. Excellent, Gabe. If you're listening, we've just sorted it for you. Um, right, quickly, predictions. Pirates, who are currently 45 and 49, and then the Tigers, who are the second worst team in baseball. Um, Pirates, Tigers, what, five games? What are we saying? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. What are we saying for these two? These are two very winnable series, aren't they? We've got Arietta, Eflin, and probably Velasquez going on the Sunday. What, what, what do you reckon, Ryan? Um, yes, I think that we've we've got a serious chance in both. But as we've just been discussing, certainly the National League's very competitive and Pittsburgh's capable of picking off the wins. Um, I'd say that's a more dangerous of the two. Um, I do. I mean, Josh Bell, you don't want to pitch for that kid, do you? Um, OK, yeah, I'll say that the Phillies can, you know, I was pretty serious last week, wasn't I? I said that the Dodgers and the Nationals would probably... Uh, take more games than we won um, this yeah, week. Yeah, I'll be yeah. more positive. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to win more than we lose this week, is what I'll say. <laughs> right. I agree. Alex, any yeah. sweep for the Tigers? It has to be. I, w- I hope so. It's always a real... Uh, going against American League teams is always a, a mind messer because, you know, you mm. never really know how they operate outside of their league. DH but- as well. Exactly, but well, that I'm excited for that. But we just lost our best DH candidate in Jay Bruce. So that's, that's very sad. true. But um, from Franco, I think, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I defensively, he's he's no louse. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say. We'll we'll see how the the lineups configure. But the Austin Listy campaign begins. Oh, that would be so <laughs> cool to watch. I love Austin Listy. I just love that guy. I've spoke to him on a couple occasions. He's a He's a really good dude. Um, but I would like to say I'm going to pray that we win four. I think it's I'll probably that. likely that – yeah, me too. But I, I think it's probably likely that we either go 3-2 or, I, I mean, 4-1 would be an absolute dream. I think that would be amazing. I think that would be exactly what we need and i think we can do it but like ryan said the pirates do have a pretty solid lineup uh and i don't know who they're putting us putting us against pitching wise but we're um, against lyles who's got 5.16 era williams with a 5.17 era and musgrove with a 4.31 era yeah lyles got inflated last time because he had a really his last outing because he had a really really bad start but um yeah all all of those guys can pitch so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, especially Musgrove. I, I like him, but uh, ho- I'm 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 hoping beyond hope that we can that we can pull out four one. That would be really nice. And it'd be a Nola Pavetta against the Tigers. Which <laughs> cool. <laughs> surely, I'll take it. Surely, and then the Braves will oh, touch so. on next week. Uh, prospect, we've got two of you here for prospect watch. So do you want to take a a prospect each of the minors? Ooh. Who's had a, who's had a good week? Uh, Ryan, start with you. Um, well, I, I, I didn't really plan this, Dave, so I'm oh, glad that you're Ryan. putting it on me. But I'll tell oh. you what, we've just mentioned Austin Listy, so let's speak about the guy. Um, he's, in, oh, yeah. he's, 
He's in AAA. He's 25 years old. It's a little old to be hanging around in the minor leagues, if I'm quite honest. So um, we might expect that he um, is doing well in AAA this year, and he is. He's he's doing incredibly well, but he has a pretty decent resume, certainly over the last uh, couple of seasons. Um, he's He's got a good walk-to-strikeout ratio. There's some power there. Um, the guy... I don't think he's ever going to come to the majors and be a sort of everyday player, and that's probably a fair thing to say. But right now, if the Phillies need a bat that, you know, if Nick Williams doesn't pan out, if Adam Hastley needs more time, this is a guy that could probably come up and do a pretty damn good job. So just watch out for the name because he might be up there pretty soon. Yep, and then I think I'll go... Listy's a great choice. Um, He... His defensive numbers aren't great, but you know, D-H. who cares when you carry? Just when play you carry in Detroit. A, yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Connor Seabold though, who is Ooh. finally back from the injured list, uh, and he actually just he pitched today for Clearwater. Uh, he pitched five innings of two-hit ball, uh, walked one and struck out five. He was uh, the third-round pick in in 2017. If you don't know who he is, but he is definitely a candidate for fast tracking could really help with rotational depth in the you know next year or two and i also really like he doesn't exactly have you know super special stuff but he he's around 91 to 93 uh features some pretty good breaking stuff uh but he throws all his stuff for strikes and he's really good at manipulating it and has a very very deceptive play style and could very well create an impact in the future but i i'll Cease there because I don't want to get uh, get anybody too excited. So, yeah, <laughs> watch out for that guy. Interesting, interesting. Right, Alex, we've got some uh, social media questions for you. Are you, ready? Right. Are you ready for these? Are you ready for let's these? Let's do it. Right, let's start on Facebook with Dave Lewis, who says, um, was last night's result the best of the season to bounce back from a drubbing against the best team in the NL and beat the same opponents 24 hours later is bloody impressive from where I'm sitting. Yep, I, I completely agree. That was definitely, we've had some good wins and we've had some horrible losses, but that was definitely probably the best win of the season for me. Absolutely. Uh, Patrick Schilling says, do you resign Cesar and Franco? Oh, sorry. Do you resign Cesar or Franco after this season and instead start Kingery at second full-time and Bohm at third? If you keep one, both, what's the upside? Uh, I am definitely looking to... You, look, if, if if Franco will get you any value, you sell Franco and then you sign a, a stopgap for uh, before Boehm can come up. Um, but he likely won't, uh, even though he does have some control and he's, he's showing significant progress with his bat. He's a streaky hitter. That's who he is. Uh, so given his defensive improvement, I'm probably sticking with him. Uh, but if you can get value, I'd sell him. Cesar... He will not have any. The second base market is just absolutely flooded. He is not very good on defense. He, ha, you know, he carries a significant bat. But honestly, I'd rather have Ben Zobris 2.0 doing what Ben Zobris does best, yeah, uh, which is playing in multiple positions and and adding value that way over and and. Nope. Um. Because you know people. Uh, like Ryan, and this isn't, you know, a diss to Ryan, but pe- people have their doubts. So I'd, I'd love to, you know, give him continuous at-bats and, and see if he can keep up this progress that he's made this year. 
um, while also having a guy that has a proven bat and maybe a slouch on defense, but who cares, um, in, in Cesar. So I'm probably hanging on to both long term. Right. Right. Interesting. Uh, Jim McCall Alhassan says, uh, we touched this insightly, but I might brought it out. What starting pitchers should the Phils go for after uh, go after this year or this offseason? We've sort of covered this year in the traded line, but offseason, there's some interesting pitchers come on the trade market, but it's mm. going to be a very interesting market because the Astros are going to be involved. The, the, the Yankees are probably are as well. The Red Sox, yeah. gonna be, it's going to be a flood. It's going to be a, a dog fest, isn't it? A dog eat dog for the, the free agents in pitching this year. Because Cole's on the free agency. Mm-hmm. What, what do you reckon? Who would you, who would you like to see us go for in free agency? Well, luckily, it's a really deep pitching class. So even though there are going to be a lot of guys uh, shopping for for arms, there there are a lot of arms to go around. So, uh, albeit they're not very top tier, uh, Garrett Cole is absolutely number one on my list. I am so so excited to see what he does as he actually gets older. Even though he's a velocity based pitcher, he can strike out guys like nobody's business. So, mm. very excited to see uh, see if we can nab him. If not. Uh, there are guys like Alex Wood, um, who, who you know has been injured all year, but he's a guy that has some pretty major stuff when he's healthy. Uh, so it could be a very interesting name to target. Uh, there's also you know Madison Bumgarner. As much as I don't want to say it, he is hitting free agency unless he gets extended. Uh, and you know, even though he's declining, he has turned in an all right season thus far. So, you know, there's that kind of name out there. There's also uh, Keuchel's going to hit the mic market again. And if, you know, yeah. if he turns in a good season, who's to say? Uh, but what's really great about this coming free agent class is just how deep this pitching class goes. Um, you know, you've got bounce back candidates in Michael Walker. You've got, uh, you know, just just a wealth of I think Jeremy Ellickson hits free agency again this year. I think uh, Gio Gonzalez is coming back on the market. I mean, just a whole bunch of names that will help with depth, not necessarily frontline starters, unless you're looking at Garrett Cole or maybe mm. Alex Wood. But you're looking at depth here. And that is what the Phillies could really, really use, especially with somebody like Spencer Howard coming down the line and, you know, all these other uh, not yet ready uh, prospects that are that are making their way. So. Those are probably know, my top. I, I know we're looking, looking quite far ahead, but this off season's a, a big one for the Phils because mm-hmm. this is now we're getting to the period where we were told that we are going to be really contending by next season onwards. We're talking divisional championships, playoff runs, postseason runs. Do you think it's a big one where we've we've got to get it right, especially for Kentuck and Kyle? I know they're getting a contract extension, but the the, the fans are going to be even more expectant next year, aren't they? pitching you do that's sorry i my uh headphones went out a little bit there but you you have to target pitching you do um that's pretty much the weakest part of our game and if we don't you know bolster both the rotation and the bullpen we're we're going to be pretty uh in in some deep water so i i think you have to go after as frontline of a starter as you can get i think that's where all the money and attention should be first then work on the bullpen, then maybe address the other depth forms that you need. But it's a very important offseason. You're definitely right. Um, we just covered that pitching one, really. It was this one from, I think, 
That's taking forever to load. Here we go. Uh, yeah, at Brett uh, says Alex is known for his hashtag Posadelphian slant towards the team. <laughs> like it. Like it. How does he maintain that through the negativity that seems to come so easily from Twitterers? Wow. Um, well, thanks for the question. That, oh, that's that, really that nice of well. you to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, look, my it's most of it comes from my nature and who I am as a person. I'm just really, I'm a positive guy. That's how I was how I was raised, and mm. uh, you know, that's that's the only way you can really get through a game like baseball is to is it's a long season it's a really long season and it can hurt sometimes you know sometimes Juan Soto hits a go ahead two run home run <laughs> when when you're pretty positive you have that game locked up and then what the hell can you do i mean he's done that to us three times this year we you have to know that one loss is just one game of 162 and you know, in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter at all. And there's also many more seasons to come. Baseball's not going to end tomorrow, you know? So don't take every loss, no matter how invested you are, no matter if it's the World Series or it's just a regular season or a spring training game, for God's sake, take every loss with a grain of salt and try and glean whatever you can from that scenario in a positive light. And you know what, Alex, what for me, what there's a moment for me when I think, you know what, I just watched Juan Soto hit a go-ahead two-run home run. And as much as I'm a Phillies fan, I also have this just gleaming love for the game. Yeah. And you this, be a this guy player. is you are watching an elite talent of our time. This is this is sublime. There's so much joy to glean from from everything that occurs, and maybe that makes me crazy and a bit of a weak fan. I don't know, but that's one way that I try and stay a little positive with things. I completely it's, agree with you. It's like Monday. I, I generally thought we were watching a bona fide World Series contender right there. Like the Dodgers were unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, it's so. When it comes to positivity, that's, you know, think about, think about all of those things and then just think about the fact that it's a game. It is a game. Yeah. Baseball is a game. It's meant to be enjoyed. All You're games so are logical, be- Alex. What, what is this? <laughs> what is this logic and positivity? Look, you know, a lot of people like to say I'm very unreasonable when it comes to my, you know, some of my takes, but I like to think I'm very logical, very reasonable, but you know what? <laughs> it's, it's. It's a game, and games yeah. are enjoyable, and games are really fun, so keep it that way. And don't, don't, you know what, don't be that typical baseball fan base that goes out and, you know, raids other teams' fan bases and says, oh, you guys stink, oh, you, whatever. Like, just, enjoy, if you win, you win. There's no need to kick somebody while they're down. If you lose, you lose. And exactly. you know what, you, you, there's another game coming tomorrow. Or if you have a day off, there's a game coming in two days. Or if it's the All-Star break, there's a game coming in four days. No matter what, there is a game coming during the months of October and Mar- through March. Or the other way around, March through October. And but if anyone got to this sermon at the end of the podcast, thank you for staying <laughs> with us. Yeah. We appreciate it. There are life lessons here for you. We love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I've, I've enjoyed it for... I've given my voice a break for once in these podcasts. 
It's been great to listen to you guys. Um, Alex, thank you so much for your time and coming on, buddy. Like you guys are the been, best. You've been on for an hour and a half. I feel like, and it's the middle, yeah. of, the, middle <laughs> of the afternoon for us, for you. I feel well, like I've, I feel like bedtime for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, you, know what? you guys are are the best. Thank you for having me. I always love. Well, it's my second time, but you know, interacting with you guys on Twitter, interacting with you guys on the podcast, it's always a joy. Well, so I, thank you well, very much. Thank you because after Monday night. Well, after Monday's game, waking up Tuesday morning, I was waiting for I was waiting for you to get up and, and tweet something positive because I need <laughs> I needed you, Alex. And, hey, um, I got three thousand words coming down the uh, coming down the pipe. Yes. I'm currently yeah, typing a that. very big positivity shell. So uh, make sure uh, you check it out. That's going to be on the Good Fight uh, on Thursday. There you go, guys. Thursday, it's going to drop. That's going to be straight after we win uh, tonight. And then Nola be going in the day game to for the series win. You got that fantastic <laughs> article. Then we got the Pirates. Oh, oh, oh I've been so much better already. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, next week uh, we will be looking ahead to the Braves and the Giants series. I expect we'll be joined by. But hey, the Braves have just gone two 0 down. By the way, to the Brewers again. Keuchel, yeah, uh, let's go. Pitching. Hey, what a great note to end on. Hey, Bob. Um, so yeah, he'll be probably be on next week. Uh, and also we're going to try and do the live, the, a rehash and a re-go of the live game next Sunday against the Braves, the live commentary. Me and Bob are going to do a take two and hopefully we won't lose 16-2 oh, this time. Because uh, last time was, be great. last time was horrible. <laughs> and, uh, and this will probably be the last time I, I try and do it. If we lose this and get thumped, I am going to turn it off. And <laughs> Hey, well, I'll be watching. So I can't wait. Thank you, buddy. Well, if if you can join us, if you and Ryan can come on as well, we can we can have guests on during the during Ooh. the thing. It goes on if for I three get, hours. Hey, if I can get my Wi-Fi to work, I would absolutely adore that. So yeah, let me know when you're going down. Yeah, perfect. Uh, it'll be the week a week Sunday. If I haven't had my baby by then, then um, it'll <gasps> be a week. It'll be a week. What, Sunday. dude? Yeah. Congratulations! Imminent, That's imminent. Amazing. Very cool. Oh man! Wow, we got a new Philly fan. Sources yeah. say it's imminent. <laughs> yeah, within within well, it'll be here within the next three weeks. Three, four oh, weeks. That's amazing. So uh, it it's Fantastic. all go. It's, so those 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 night games will be even better. I can get up and do the feed, change and and watch watch the night games. It's just I perfect. Can't I can't definitely, definitely even better, Dave. Definitely. I mean not not sleeping all night is is real fun, buddy. I, I, <laughs> I know, I'm only joking, man. I wish you all the best, but has anyone told him that it's quite hard work? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a doddle. Yeah, being it? a Philly fan. Do- <laughs> Those Hector Mary's blown saves aren't gonna feel as nice when <laughs> That's true. I'm being positive, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I nearly uh, went there. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Another positive note, the Mets have just lost, uh, are losing as well. So the Braves and the Mets oh, are losing. What a good way to end it. down. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you so much. And, uh, and ring the bell, guys. Yeah, let's ring it. Ring the bell.